This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Matt Berger alongside Andy Hanselman. No Clay Byersdorfer for this episode of Last Man Up. He is stuck in Chicago. Stuck in Chicago. Not a bad place to be stuck. No. Especially this time of the year. No, it's kind of probably, probably a pretty nice day up there. Yeah, if you're going to be stuck in Chicago, you want to be stuck in Chicago during the warmer months and not when it's New. 20 below and, you know. Now, do you know about the underground sidewalk system in Chicago? I do not. We'll talk about it another time. I know you have okay. a big show planned. I've, uh, I've, I've been, technically, I've been to Chicago, but I've never been outside O'Hare. Oh. Like, I've never like gone to Chicago and like had a weekend or anything like that. So Chicago has this underground sidewalk system that has like all these stores underneath. And it's, it's, okay. it's, and it's mostly like on the, on the south side of the Chicago River, but it winds all throughout. So that way, if you're up there in the wintertime, to get like between the buildings, you don't have to go outside at all. And I'll, I'll look it up here. What it's called? It was called like Chicago Pathway System or something. Okay, it's, it's so, kind of a, kind of a neat deal. So, I've never so been down like in a, it. It's almost like a tunnel system. Then it absolutely. I is. got you. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it's it's as strange as it seems to be for so someone from been, St. Louis. I've never really been to Chicago. Just to go hang out, huh? Never gone. You should do it, man. It's a blast. I, that's what I've heard. I, like it's nothing personal. I do not hate Chicago at yeah. all. Just never. I just never gone. I mean, it, it's a, not to like go. Oh, you're one of those. But I mean, like. Like when I travel, I go to New York. Like I'm going again this summer. Right. So like once you've gone to New York, I mean, like, am I really going to be that overly impressed with Chicago? Is what I, I guess kind of like the way they're I'm both, looking at it. They're both. I mean, they're very different. You know, New York is so dense. Because like if you're going to go to Chicago, you're going to Chicago because you want to go see a big city. Like if you're going to Los Angeles, you're going because of the sunshine and the beach and stuff like that. In Chicago, yeah, I mean, they had the beach there with Lake Michigan, but it's not really no, a beach. No, that's not really the beach. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you're know, going to Chicago, you know, you're just going to, to go and to go, experience a big city. I don't go to experience a big city. I, go just, I just go to experience Chicago. Okay. And I've heard Chicago's awesome. I've heard it's awesome. It is. It's an incredible city. And the people who go, the people I know who move there, like from, from the outside, like from St. Louis, like Clay's one of them. Uh, but I'm not saying him specifically. I'm not, I don't want to speak for him. But people, other people I've known that have moved to Chicago, once they get there, they love it. They cannot stop talking about how much they love it. Oh, Deke Dotem loves Chicago. And then it seems like as soon as they fall in love with it, they fall into hate with it. And they cannot wait to get out of Chicago. I would imagine that the winners would would be degrowth on you quickly. I think it's the winners and like even I've heard this about New York too. As much as I love New York and as much as I would kill to eventually maybe live there, I think that after a while, maybe yeah. Now that especially that I've gotten older. I mean, I, the, my friends Welcome who live, my Welcome. friends who live there, they're like thinking about moving to Connecticut, but they have a kid, so that's different. I can hear it now. Burgers on, burgers on. He's on the fan. WFAN. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll fill in for my Francesca so he can replace me. My, uh, my Francesca took, like, what, a month off? And yeah. then decided that he wanted to uh, to go back? And now he tweets. And now he tweets. Did you see his first tweet? No, I didn't. I have no interest. Oh, really? None. He says, be nice. That's what or it is? Be, or be or don't be stupid or something. That That's his tweet. It was, don't be stupid. No, it was, you know, it, it was oh, hi, you know, I'm here. Don't be stupid. Oh, well, yeah. Welcome to Twitter. Right. It's <laughs> Good called, luck with that. It's called the Chicago Pedway. Is what okay. It's called. 
pedestrian walkway system, and it's an underground system of, of tunnels throughout Chicago. Interesting. Yeah, very neat thing. Yeah, there's so much history there. I'm sure there's there's a lot to see and a lot to do there. There's no question. How many times have you been to New York? Uh, this will be trip number six for me this summer. So I've been once. I went back in 03 for a work trip. Got to go to the old Yankee Stadium. Okay, never been there. That was super cool. Yeah. Uh, they played the uh, World Champion Angels that night. Okay. And Moose pitched. Nice. I've, I've only been to Shea, and I've been to City Field. I went to Shea, and I saw the Mets play the Red Sox. And I think Yankees fans were going to that game just to torment the Red Sox. So this was oh, in, I'm sure. This was in 2001. So the Red Sox still haven't won their World Series yet in 2004. Okay. So the Yankees fans were going there and just chanted 1918 the entire time. <laughs> um, and then when I went to, in 2010, I went to City Field to see the Mets and the Cardinals play. And I had on an Albert Pujols jersey, and it must have been like uh, like summer camp day or daycare day or, or <laughs> field trip day because like there were nothing but kids there. And I go walking up to my, my seat, and all I heard was, boo, all these kids booing me because I had an Albert Pujols jersey on. It was you are brave wearing a Pujols jersey in New York. I wore one. Listen to this. I wore a Pujols jersey at a Mets bar in Queens in 2006, and no one messed with me. I couldn't believe it. Like, they gave me a hard time. You know, they came over. They were like, you know, you got a lot of nerve wearing that jersey in this bar. But, I mean, it's not like they were like, you know, Sizing me up and ready to hit me with well, pull cues. Well, I mean, no one's going to really go after you in their right mind. In the same way that people people could mess with me if they really wanted to, because I really I can't fight for shit. Sure, but, <laughs> but because of your size, people are going to be like, size, people are like, nah, maybe not. Yeah, maybe I'm not going to mess with them. I don't get screwed with too much. I would also be comfortable, you know, wearing a a Brett Favre jersey in in, in a Bears bar or something stupid oh, like okay. that. Oh, okay, you want to hear the ultimate troll job and this is one I <laughs> this is the ultimate troll job I did. I did this on purpose. In 2010, I'm in New York and I am going 2 weeks after LeBron made the decision to go to Miami, okay, and play for the Heat. And I'm I'm sitting here I got a Heat t-shirt on so you know I'm a Heat fan. You're a Heat fan. You, I'm a Heat fan. Well defined. And on my flight back, I had a direct flight to New York. But my flight back, I had a layover in Chicago. Or not Chicago, in Cleveland. And I go, okay, I'm going to go to the NBA store, and I'm going to buy a Miami Heat LeBron James jersey, and I'm going to wear that in the Cleveland airport. So, <laughs> one thing I, d- I definitely know about New York and my, my travels there is that if you're going to have a flight coming out of LaGuardia, plan on it being late. I have never had a flight leave on time no. at LaGuardia, ever. So... I had maybe an hour layover in Cleveland. This is on a Sunday night. Okay. We are sitting on the tarmac in our little jet for an hour and a half before we finally take off. Oh, my goodness. And I'm like, we are, we're not going to catch that flight. There was another couple from St. Louis who was trying to get back like me. Uh-huh. And I told them, I go, we're not going to catch the flight. By the time we go in, like by the time we get in Cleveland, that flight's going to be gone. We're going to have to find another flight, or we're going to be stuck in Cleveland. Yeah, and yeah, we got there, and sure enough, I'm stuck in Cleveland wearing a LeBron James Miami Heat jersey two weeks after he announced to the world that he's taking his talents to South Beach. <laughs> and you want to talk about hard about hard looks? I had baggage handlers wanting to fight me because there were no fly. I was going. I was stuck in Cleveland. That, that woman at the Continental counter. She did everything she could to try to find me 
a way to get home. She was looking for flights from Cleveland to Minneapolis to St. Louis, Cleveland to Milwaukee to St. Louis. She, there, nothing was happening. So they gave me like a 45% off rate at the Holiday Inn. And then I, was, I had a flight like the next morning, like at 7 o'clock the next morning. They didn't give you a free room? Not a free room, but they gave me a discounted room. 45% off, I'm like, you know what? I was, I was exhausted, and I'm like, okay, I'll take it. So yeah. I'm waiting for the shuttle to take me from the airport to the Holiday Inn. And while I'm waiting for the shuttle, the, the guy who drives the shuttle for like the Sheraton, he sees me wearing the LeBron James jersey, and he just drops the bags and calls me an MFer and, and is ready to fight me. Really? Oh, yeah. He, was, he did not find my joke that funny. So the next day... Lighten up, Francis. <laughs> who are you, Hockey Bob? Uh, now, the next day, I didn't pack anything extra to wear because I figured I was going to be back in St. Louis right. by now. So the only thing I have to wear is my LeBron James Miami Heat jersey. So I had to wear it the second day when I go back through the Cleveland airport. And the TSA agents are like... This one was like this older black lady. She goes... Honey, I just hope people don't mess with you. And I'm like, I'm a big boy. I can kind of yeah. take care of myself. But uh, that's funny. Yeah, that that that's the like that the, the, the time ultimate, that, that the was the ultimate troll ultimate job. Ultimate troll job. That's the ultimate troll job. Trolling airport workers by Matt Berger. <laughs> <laughs> and when I saw it, I'm like, you know what? I, I don't get to do it that often. Why not? So yeah. I, I got that. I still have the LeBron James jersey somewhere. That's funny. Um. Joining us a little bit later on the podcast will be the sports director for KMOX and the host. I've never heard of, of that Total station. Inf- uh, yeah. Have they been uh, around a while? Uh, I, well, I mean, their signal's kind of weak, so you can barely yeah. hear it. But, uh, I understand. And he's also the host of Total Information AM. Tom Ackerman will be joining us. We'll be talking they a say lot. say he's the nicest guy in St. Louis radio. In St. Louis, okay. It was like, in St. Louis Broadcasting, I think that might be Rennie Knott. Yeah, I think he's a nice, I've heard he's the nicest guy in St. Louis radio. We'll, we'll find out here in, in, in a little bit. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is the Vegas Golden Knights. Not the Las Vegas Golden Knights. They're called the Vegas Golden Knights. The Vegas Golden Knights. The Vegas Golden Knights. They are on their way in their inaugural season to the Stanley Cup Finals, defeating the Winnipeg Jets 2-1. Uh, to one. Ryan Reeves, former St. Louis Blue, Ryan Reeves, with the deflection. That was the game-winning goal, the series-clinching goal. And Blues fans, I already saw it on Twitter and I saw it on Facebook, are not, I mean, not, they're not depressed. They're pissed off. And I don't understand why they are. To, because to me, I, I don't get the whole notion that they don't deserve to go. Like, you know, like someone like the Blues and their fans deserve to go. To, to quote, you know, Bob Ramsey, who's always quoting William Money in the great movie Unforgiven, deserve has got nothing to do with it. No, you're not entitled to anything. Especially when you're a fan. You're not entitled to a damn thing. And here's another reason why I have that attitude, because I remember in 1999, when the Rams went to the Super Bowl, I was still in college. I went to Central Missouri State, now University of Central Missouri, which is a hop, skip, and a jump outside of Kansas City. And the Kansas City Chiefs fans... Warrensburg? Warrensburg. Warrensburg, Missouri? Warrensburg, Missouri. Kansas City Chiefs fans were, were openly rooting against the St. Louis Rams that entire year. And did not want the Rams to go to the playoffs, and not want the Rams to go to the Super Bowl, and did not want the Rams to even win the Super Bowl. And the reason why that they told me is that because we aren't real fans and we don't deserve it. And I'm like, that is the most that's just, that's one of the dumbest well, things I've ever heard in my entire life. Kansas City fans have their own issues to deal with, so we just kind of especially when it comes say, to St. Louis. So like, like I, oh, absolutely. And I had no idea how big that rivalry was until I went to college. And oh, I'm like, and it's very one sided. Very one sided. Because when I first said, it, I thought they were just messing with me, and I'm like. We don't even, I mean, like, 
we don't think anything ill of Kansas City at all. Like maybe the Royals in '85 and Don Dinkinger. Maybe. But I mean, that's about it. I pulled for the Royals in the in the World Series. I did too. Both times and they I went. Pulled, and I pulled for the Chiefs when they've gone deep in the playoffs. I don't pull for the Chiefs because I mean the the Chiefs fans they they do get on my nerves. I still like the Chiefs though. And I mean it's it, the, the the futility of the Kansas City Chiefs and all those years in the '90s when they were the number one seed and would lose. Oh yeah, you know in the divisional round at home, and it continued not. I mean, it happened all the time to under Mar- Moon, to Warren Moon and the Oilers. Yeah, it happened all the time under Marty Schottenheimer, and then it happened again with Dick Vermeil, and then you saw it this past year with the Tennessee Titans yep. and uh, Andy Reid. <laughs> It's yeah. just it's unbelievable. They're, uh, they are uh, they're they're the St. Louis Blues of the N- of, of the NFL. They have uh, they've had their absolutely broken yes a bajillion times a bajillion times. And what was like once their only Super Bowl was what Super Bowl two with Lynn Dawson? I believe so. It was either, it was either one or two. I think it was Super Bowl two because Super Bowl three was the Jets. Right. Who was Super Bowl one? Uh, probably the Packers and the somebody. I guess Warren the Chiefs is Super Bowl one. I don't it, know. It, it could very well been, but I know that they won their only Super Bowl was against the Minnesota Vikings. That was Super Bowl two, and that was Lynn Dawson. Okay. And so I mean, like, yeah, they're a long suffering fan base. I get it, but I mean, like, I just don't. Want, I did, didn't make any sense to me. And like, okay, if the Rams lose the Super Bowl, does that mean that you guys get one? I'm I'm unfamiliar with this rule. All right, let's address the background noise real quick. That is a vacuum. That is a vacuum cleaner because we are in an office. We're in an office that's being cleaned in the Sunday being afternoon. Cleaned. Yes. So. If you're hearing that and you're wondering what that is, basically, okay, Andy and I were both big boys, and we're eating lots of potato chips, and we finally had to hire somebody (laughs) to vacuum the crumbs around us. That's what what it's gone to. dropping all the old Vienna crumbs. (laughs) (laughs) Old Vienna, I like it. But yeah, Vegas Golden Knights, I'm cheering for them. I was cheering for them this this entire playoffs here. I I have felt that they were going to do well in the playoffs, I mean, pretty much since January, when they had a significant lead. In their division, and they had gone on several ten-game winning streaks. So it was. If you have Mark Andre Fleury as your goaltender, yeah, who has won Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins, you're going to be pretty good. You're going to be damn good. You're going to be pretty good. They 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 made a good pick there. They've had several of the good. You know, obviously they did, they did a great job with their expansion draft. Absolutely. Look, their pregame was fun. The team was fun. Boy, they can put on a show. They put on a show. I like. I don't understand why, if you're a Blues fan, why you don't want to embrace that. Yeah, it just seems bitterness, and it makes for, you look. It makes you look bitter. It makes you look small. It does. It's great for hockey. It's a great, great thing. Oh yeah, because the last thing the NHL wanted was a Winnipeg Tampa Bay Stanley Cup Finals. They need Washington to get their butt in gear because they really want to see Vegas versus Washington D.C. That is their dream scenario. Absolutely. They do not want to see. They're glad Winnipeg's not in it. Oh, I'm sure. Because I mean, I don't know, like if Canada, like the entire nation of Canada is going to get behind the Winnipeg Jets. But I mean, Winnipeg is what. 700,000 people in a Canadian market. The NHL doesn't want that, and nobody in the United States gives a damn about the Jets. Winnipeg is about the size, is about the size of Belleville. <laughs> yeah, Winnipeg is not very big. No. There's a reason why they lost team. <laughs> We're going to be talking Cardinals coming up next with Tom Ackerman from KMOX. You're listening to the Last Man Up podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Matt Berger and Andy Hanselman alongside Clay Byersdorfer is on assignment. Joining us right now on the phone line is the sports director for KMOX and the host of Total Information AM. You can follow him on Twitter at Ackerman1120. Tom Ackerman, how are you? 
I'm doing great, guys. Thank you very much for having me. I love, love, love talking ball, and especially love the work that you do. So thank you very much. Oh wow! Yeah, very, very much high, high accolades from uh, someone who knows the business in St. Louis. Very honored. You'll be be getting your resume tomorrow (laughs) in a a real time. Uh, What what is your Indeed? I'm going to send you something through Indeed if you don't mind. (laughs) So I know that you were in Springfield and you saw Alex Reyes' start yesterday. He continues to impress. We have Martinez. We have Nicholas. You have Waka Weaver. Flaherty and you know Wainwright on the DL where does Reyes fit in I mean to me Alex Reyes is one of the best pitchers that they have in the organization completely and I I think that Alex Reyes has the potential to eventually be the top of this rotation Um, you know based on what I saw in Springfield he has everything going it's almost like exactly how you would map out the perfect first inning. The first inning was 10 pitches and he struck out two hitters. He was mixing in fastball, curveball. I mean, he had guys in the first inning. He comes right out of the gate and throws a 95 mile an hour fastball up and in. The the hitter swings and misses at it. He gets that batter and then later he freezes a batter from Northwest Arkansas with a curveball. So he's going from 98 dropping down to a curveball that registered at about 77 and drops in and he's hitting it low in the zone. And then he throws in not only a changeup, which he can throw in the mid to upper eighties, mid eighties, but he also tosses in what he's been working on, which is kind of the magical pitch for him, which is a cutter slider, which kind of breaks away from the hitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost unfair what he's doing out there. And so you now this rotation right now, based on what Jack Flaherty did on a Sunday afternoon at Bush stadium, and Carlos Martinez, what his potential is, and you mentioned Michael Waka, Miles Michaelis, what they bring to the table, a couple of stable right-handers, especially in the case of Michaelis, who looks like he could be a stalwart for the entire season. Um, Alex Reyes makes this rotation very special, and I think uh, potential to be one of the best in baseball because just going in, they were one of the best in baseball. And we haven't even mentioned Luke Weaver. And then Adam Wainwright, I think you have to consider that he's probably out of the rotation. Even if he came back, you you can't expect him to join it. So you're dealing still, though, with a plethora of starting pitchers, and we haven't mentioned a couple of others in reserve down in Memphis. So it's a very good situation to be in. Of course, there's a lot that still has to be done with this club beyond the rotation. But I think that you could agree that any team – has to be solid in its rotation to succeed and eventually win a world championship. And I think the Cardinals have a a great uh, chance. I I just don't like to say that they're going to do it, but I I think they have a great opportunity to be very, very special in the beginning of June because Alex comes off the DL May 28th. You mentioned Adam Wainwright, and and it's to, to see a fall from grace like like what's happened this season is, is is almost heartbreaking, and you said they probably won't come back to the to the rotation. What do they do with them? Are they going to put them on the? Will they DFA them? Will they give them you know a front office job? What do you think the the overall plan is for the uh, for I the end of, for the yeah. end of Wayne Wright's career, which is sad to talk. I think about. he I think he can do whatever he wants to do. Now I'd like to think, just as an optimist, that he went that he finds a way to finish 2018 in some role on the field. So let's say that his elbow responds well. You just cross your fingers and you hope that it does at some point late in 2018 that he does start to find it. And then maybe he can join this team 
as a piece of the bullpen and an experienced person that you can throw out there. But what he is in the interim, as he continues to work himself back, is a huge, huge part of this club because he is such a great mentor to the young pitchers, just as he was an important piece to the puzzle in 2011. Because when this team was down in the dumps in August after getting swept by the Dodgers, I remember it well. Adam Wainwright was one of the people who rose up when they were 10 and a half out and kind of was a little you know, cheering section in the background. But more than that, he helped to mentor some of these pitchers and players to get them in the right mindset to, to give it a run. And they did, and they ended up winning world championship. I think he can fit that role very well. And then from beyond that, let's say that this is the last year of his contract and he doesn't play baseball beyond this. Let's say that it gets to that. Not only will he be a great family man, which he is, but he could do pretty much anything he wants in this organization or quite honestly in baseball. So let's say a front office position was offered to him. I think that would be absolutely fair. Let's say that broadcasting position was available to him, not only within this organization, but MLB Network or somebody like that. I think he would play very well on it. I think that he could do exactly what he's doing right now, which is to go all in on his charity work and his foundation and most notably what he's doing in Haiti. Adam Wainwright has a long career ahead of him that will remain in baseball and what he does on the field will just be part of his legacy. He is a very, very big piece of the Cardinals history, I think now and moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he's going to have uh, one of those red blazers on because he's going to go, he's going to go into the hall of fame, the Cardinals hall of fame. I don't know about the number being retired, but there's no doubt he's going to be a Cardinal hall of famer and he's never have to worry about paying for a meal or a drink in St. Louis for as long as he lives. And, right. I mean, it, it, it had, could not have been easy for him to sit in the dugout and watch Jack Flaherty mow down 13 and have to read really, you're, you're seeing your own mortality, your professional mortality right there in front of you and a whole stadium cheering it on. And you're happy for him. There's not one down in my mind that Adam Wainwright is happy for Jack Flaherty. But he There's almost no has, doubt. But he almost has to be like, uh, yeah, my career is over and I just watched it die right there in the field. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you know, all of these careers come to an end and Matt Carpenter put it really well. I talked to him recently in an interview, um, that wasn't on the air, but it was at a, an event that was honoring Wainwright. And it, this wasn't directed at Wainwright. It was really just directed at his teammates in general. And Matt Carpenter said to the crowd that, you know, we only have a really short time when we're wearing this uniform as Cardinals players you know like the the window is is pretty short so I mean Wainwright's had a great career I mean that's we're going back to 06 when he was a rookie and he actually was in the organization before that so that's a really long time absolutely that he's been able to do it so that they're all aware of that that you, you know every year that you show up at spring training and that uniform is waiting for you in your locker is pretty cool I mean that's that is uh that means that you made it another year and you're still viable, and you're still a big league player, and even the best players, it can all come to an end very quickly. So, yeah, it's been a good run for him. I'm sure that there is, um, for all players, and especially for someone as emotionally charged as Adam, a touch of sadness that he's not just able to do what he wants to do. He's got in such great shape. He lost a lot of weight in the offseason, but the arm and the elbow is just not responding the way that he likes. But he will use that, and you're right, he's going to wear the red jacket. He'll be a Cardinals Hall of Famer. He will use that to his advantage. It seems like everything that he's touched, whether it's been uh, a baseball pitcher for the Cardinals or what he's doing in Haiti or 
Remember, he was the guy who really boosted, you know, the barbecue place in St. Louis, Pappy's. You know, once Adam put his name on it, everyone started lining up and going to it, and it became this this uh, incredible phenomenon. Like, everything that he touches turns to gold. So he'll have a great career ahead of him beyond what he's doing as a pitcher, and I think that's fantastic. And I think that um, he'll be celebrated for a long time, but he, I think he's just getting started. Tom Ackerman from KMOX joining us right now on the phone. You can follow him on Twitter at Ackerman1120. Um, if you're Adam Wainwright, though, do you even try to come back and maybe try to get some of that bitterness or that bad taste? Like the last performance that he had was not at his best. Do you try to maybe get back to as close to 100% health as you can and get yeah. back out on the field? Or do you like yeah, you do. just yeah. you, do you? Okay, because like you just laid out all the other interests that he has. And these people, they're, they're so competitive. And that's what makes them where they are. As, as, it's a lot of it is God-given talent, but a lot of it is the competitiveness and the desire to win. And that just doesn't just go away. You can't just flip it off. So Yeah, but, and exactly. I mean, he's under contract to do so. So that, that does mean a lot to him. I mean, he's getting paid. He, he signed on the dotted line that through 2018, he is to pitch for the St. Louis Cardinals and give him everything that he has. And he, that's how he looks at it. So, yes, he will through 2018 do everything in his power to get himself back on the mound, but also because ever since he was a high school kid playing wide receiver for his high school football team or pitching or playing golf or whatever he did, he wanted to be a great one. And he was competitive to the end. So it's just in their blood to be able to get themselves in position to be great. And, And he will do whatever he can internally to get that fire burning to say, Let's give it one more shot because, like you said, he doesn't want to go out like that. He wants a lasting memory. He will always have two world championship rings and other postseason appearances and some great, great wins. One of the great big game pitchers this team has ever had. But I think that he will give it one last run and see if he can't keep this thing going. It's just how they're wired. Moving on to the Cardinals in general, the the offense has been struggling, but yet they still linger towards the the top of the standings in the division. Can can they sustain this the this uh, being you know being atop the division you know throughout the entire season? Or will Milwaukee and and uh, Chicago eventually catch up to them? And Pittsburgh's there too. And Pittsburgh it's a four team race. You know Pittsburgh's showing a lot of heart, and I think that's very. I think that's great. But I do think that the three teams, the Cardinals, Cubs, and Brewers, are the best three. The Cubs best on paper. The Brewers showed last year that they're really good. And I think the Cardinals can be good. And, yeah, I do. I think that they can do it. But some things have to happen. One, they've got to figure out the bullpen. They cannot let games get away like what happened on Saturday with Greg Holland. And most importantly to me right now, because we talked about the rotation, and I do think it's going to be good, and I think it's been good all year. And I felt like – it had a chance to be really good, but it's actually exceeded my expectations, especially considering Carlos Martinez isn't even in there right now. Uh, and Yadier Molina is not catching him. I yeah. Mean, it's, you know, that's just yeah. great. And Carson Kelly's not catching him. So they're doing it without Yadi. But what has to happen is the veterans on this team have to hit. They just have to. Marcelo Zuna, Matt Carpenter, Dexter Fowler, Colton Wong, Yachty's not in there right now. He'll come back at some point, and they, they really do miss his offense. But I could continue naming names, but those are the four that come to mind right away. The veterans have to hit, and if they don't, this team's not going to go anywhere, and that's just the way it is. Now, yes, the trade deadline is coming, 
And could the Cardinals figure out making a move to help this team? Absolutely, they could. Will their phone ring? You're darn right it will. <laughs> and, and teams, yeah. gonna, they know the Cardinals have needs. So needs gonna, and needs and lots help. of pitching and and uh, and two stud outfielders with Tyler O'Neill and and uh, Harrison That's Bader. Right. I mean, they're low. The Cardinals minor league system right now, in terms of depth, everybody knows it is as good as it's been in a long, long time. So they do have uh, assets that they can trade. It's just a matter of what they want to do. But in the meantime, these guys have to hit. I mean, they're getting paid to do it. So Ozuna, Carpenter, Fowler, Wong, all under contract all need to be hitting the baseball and need to do it pronto or this team's going to have problems. Um, but for right now, yeah, it's exciting. Tyler O'Neill comes in, hits a couple of bombs back to back days. And then some of these other players are jumping in and getting it done. But the big boys are the ones who are expected to do it over a long period of time. And to this point, those players in particular have not done that. And that is a concern. It looks like Matt Carpenter has, has started to right the ship a little bit. He's had a, a few yes. good couple of games. Dexter Fowler still seems to be a little bit of a mystery. I pull for Dexter Fowler every single game. I, I, I love his personality. I think he's he's a fun follow on Twitter. Him and his wife are, are both actually uh, fun followers on Twitter. She she even tweeted about, like, if I hear about his swing one more time. So apparently Dexter's <laughs> even bringing, this, bringing the work home and is affecting the, the home life in, in a fun and like in a, in a joking way. But with Dexter Fowler, what do you do with him? She is fantastic. Aaliyah is great. Yes, she really and, is. Uh, I, I really love following her on Twitter and <laughs> Instagram. She's both. She's both. She goes crazy on on Instagram with her Instagram stories. They're really fun to follow. Anyway, um, <laughs> Dexter is. Yeah, I mean Dexter. You know, he makes light of it. I remember he posted that picture of his. I think it was his daughter's class where they post the uh, batting averages every day. They update them. And oh, no Fowler, kidding. That's funny. Fowler was at the bottom. It, was, it said like <laughs> Fowler 160. <laughs> he's like, sorry. <laughs> uh, but no, he's got to find it. And, and what do they do with him? I think you have to be patient with these players to a point, And then you have to ask them or tell them, what they're going to have to do to get back. And in Fowler's case, they did allow him to, to take some time to find a swing. And they've done that today with Marcelo Zuna. They just said, you know what? You need a break. And so they're going to give him that break and we'll see what they do against the Royals. Um, I, I'm, uh, I'm of the opinion that Dexter Fowler needs to play just because I think it would be better for him uh, over a period of time to, to, when he does get hot eventually, but, but again, it's to a point. I mean, you can't, you can't sit there and this is a tough decision that Mike Matheny has to make each and every day when he puts his lineup together is how long do I go with somebody who's struggling? And I think the signs are become obvious. Like it was obvious that Marcelo Zuna after missing out on a couple of opportunities yesterday could not be in the cleanup spot today. If anything, he needed to be dropped down, in the order and could not be in the cleanup spot, but they decided just to take him out of the lineup altogether. They put in Tyler O'Neill. It's a home run. Uh, that's, that's a fortunate thing to have a, a home run hitter right now, just waiting around and you're able to put him in. And that's the other thing is now Tyler Lyon, Tyler O'Neill's hit home runs in back-to-back days. He's starting to heat up. You don't want to cool him off. So you might go ahead and do the same thing tomorrow and give Marcel another day. And then keep your eye on Dexter. So yeah, it's it that it's not an easy answer. You know, you can't just sit Dexter Fowler. He's 
a proven winner and champion, but if it gets to a point where it's detrimental to both him and the club, then you got to make the move. And and I know we're going to probably talk about the bullpen too. And the same thing applies. Like I, I've always felt this way that the, the, the roster changes from month to month. You have your April, your May, your June. And then by the time September comes around, the roster becomes a lot different as you approach the postseason. And if you're fortunate enough to be in position where you cannot put together an everyday lineup based on money, how much you're paying a guy, or if you want to give him an extra boost, or I mean, yeah, if you're Boy, and that's, guy, and that's like, happened a lot. About, Tom. It's about winning. Like you can't, you just can't do it anymore. It's got to be about who's the best out there to give you a chance to win the game. And, and sometimes it kind of seems like that's not the lineup that's being put together either. I mean, how, how long did Matt Carpenter bat three when he wasn't even batting his weight? And it wasn't until, you know, what, the, the, a few days ago when Matheny finally dropped him the seventh in the order. I'm like, when I, I saw the Cardinals sweep that out, I'm like, I must have the wrong copy. This thing has Matt Carpenter batting seventh instead of batting third. Yeah, and I expected that to happen, not that he would bat seventh, but I expected him to be taken out of the two spot that next day. I mean, he went over four with three strikeouts. It was like, look, enough's enough. Like, I think I might have said on Twitter that just try Bader today. I mean, they, they should at least just try. He had one of the hits of those two hits in that game that I'm mentioning, that, that Carp was batting second, went over four with three strikeouts. And instead... They went with the DH. They put in Jose Martinez at two, which was the right move. And they dropped Carpenter to seventh, and he actually responded rather well. So, yeah, you know, there's, again, no easy answer there. There is no easy answer right now who the number three hitter is either, although I would lean towards Jose Martinez every time I can. Um, It really would help if Marcelo Zuna was hitting. I think that would solve a lot of problems. But uh, that is not happening. It would also help if Paul DeYoung was healthy. That's not happening either. So now you're starting to run out of options for who is your legitimate three and where do you put everybody else. So it's just it's a little tricky right now. Um, But like you said, you you can't. And if you know, if I have a fault with Mike Matheny when he puts together the lineup, it's. just like everybody else. I mean, I, I would see somebody who's been over and say that person probably should be moved out of there. And look, this happens with, with a lot of managers. I mean, Tony LaRussa, this is going back a ways now, but I remember when Mark McGuire started to slip and he just wasn't producing and he was still in yeah. the lineup every day, three or four every single day. And it's like, Tony, he's not doing it anymore. He, yeah. He's not bad. I remember that one day he dropped to six, and it was like we, maybe we should, maybe we should celebrate. I mean, it was uh, <laughs> yeah. finally. So, but that that's the other thing is we are obsessed with with lineups too. Maybe we give it a little too much. Maybe maybe we obsess a little too much over it. I don't know, but it it, it does it doesn't solve everything. But uh, the right lineup construction can really help. I do think that it's it's a lot harder right now for Mike Matheny than we realize with all these players on the shelf. I was listening to uh, sports on a Sunday morning this morning with Claves, and he, he was talking to Matheny about the shift. And the and he and Matheny said that he was in a, some rules committee meetings or or, or uh, competition committee meetings. Where I forgot the exact term. And they're talking about maybe and, and and the reason I bring it up is because the shift has been one of Matt Carpenter's uh, Achilles' heels, if you will. 
in that he seems to he'll hit the ball hard, but he'll hit, hit the ball hard directly at somebody when you have the shortstop playing on the first base side of second. What are your thoughts on getting rid of the shift and illegal defenses in Major League Baseball? I don't believe that. I, I, I'm I'm on the other side of that. I am I, t- I am too. Believe, yeah, I mean, if you, if, I I think that you shouldn't be able to tell people you let them play defense where they want to play defense. It's it's up to the hitter to adjust to that. You know, if you want to play, if it, you want to play the shift, you want to move players around. I mean, maybe there's some way that you could tweak it, but I I would uh, I would just as much just leave that alone. And if you're Matt Carpenter, you've got to find a way to adjust and go the other way. Heck, the other day he went to left field. I think he flew out, and then later he went to left field again and got a hit. I think he sprayed it around that day that he had three hits. Yeah, he did. I think that was the day he hit seventh, wasn't it? Where he went to right, right, center, and left. Absolutely. Yeah. You know he's starting to he's starting to find it a little bit better, and and uh, that goes for any of those players that they try to shift. So I mean, I remember when Matt Adams started to, to drop down bunts. It was like, yeah, <laughs> right? Do what you got. Manu- <laughs> manufacture those runs, baby. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know that that's the other thing, and and that, this is another discussion going beyond the shift. But you know, everybody talking about pace of play. Well. You know, the reason why we're having some problems in my mind watching this game is it's home run or strikeout. And I know that home runs sell tickets in baseball's mind and they pay a premium for home run hitters. They're paying these home run hitters millions and millions of dollars. Guess what? Baseball players from a young age are being taught to hit home runs. You know why? Because you make a lot of money doing it and they don't you don't make a lot of money moving a runner over to second or third by putting the ball in play. Yet, I would take keeping the line. That's just my preference as a baseball fan. The home runs are great, but I like a triple over a home run all day long. I like a a big hit in a big situation that'll keep the the line moving over uh, a strikeout home run. I don't know. That's just me. I but but that's not what they're being paid to do, and that's that's really it. It's. The money is is the root of a lot of these things. Final question, uh, Tom, and I appreciate you joining us today and uh, and and sharing your knowledge and, and your insights. You mentioned earlier about the trade deadline. I have made no secret about my uh, my uh, love and my obsession of Manny Machado. And I every day I keep w- looking for news, anything about Manny Machado. I want him in a Cardinal uniform, but I have a feeling that's not going to happen. I want you to lie to me, Tom Ackerman, and tell me that Manny Machado was going to be a Cardinal. <laughs> Do you want me to just tell you a scenario in which Manny Machado would be a Cardinal? Yes, please. The, 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 the way he would be a Cardinal is this, that the Cardinals continue to have interest in him, and, they, and just like everybody does. I mean, who isn't interested in Manny Machado? He's an absolute beast. So that the Orioles decide that they're going to focus in and start to really lock in on teams that need a shortstop. And the Cardinals shortstop right now, and they don't have a lot of depth there. They definitely need one. So Paul DeYoung, when he comes back and gets healthy, could easily move to third base, where I think he was really, really good in the minor leagues and actually could have come up and been a third baseman here. Um, And now you do have an opening. Now the problem is that the Orioles would know that, and they would, in knowing that, try to leverage themselves to get the best prospects. The Cardinals would have to hold firm and come up with some middle ground where they have enough prospects, whatever the Orioles need, pitching, outfield, whatever it is, that they could come up with some sort of solution, or perhaps 
somebody on the everyday roster that would play very well for that team or in the American League in general, maybe that's something that the Orioles would be interested in. Um, or the Cardinals decide that uh, our rotation right now and our uh, that, that some other things start to happen health-wise that you know this team could be good enough that for a two-month rental, whatever it is, three-month rental if you're throwing in October, this uh, is a special player. This is a special place in time. And the Cardinals would say, let's make this happen and um, and move some prospects and go get Manny Machado for that reason and also the fact that the Cubs will probably be on the hunt also. And you do not want that to happen. So that I, how, how do you make it happen? There's no easy way to, to say – this is the player or players that you trade to the Orioles. But I do believe that the Cardinals could make a deal for any player just about if they wanted to. I think, you know, the guy that I saw pitch yesterday in Springfield is, is absolutely no, I, 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 I he is, he <laughs> yeah. is a hundred percent untouchable, but I think beyond that, I think there are some players that would be certainly attractive to the Baltimore Orioles. Do you and, think it, um, and he'd look awfully good in that. Oh, uniform, he would. But, that, but that's, you know, that goes without saying. <laughs> the guy's an absolute beast. Do you think that that's the best way for the Cardinals to get Manny Machado would be to trade him, trade prospects and get him, and then try to get, like spend the two or three months convincing him, like, hey, this is where you need to stay long term? Or do you think you can? Or do you think that you wait until, or do you wait until the offseason and try to outbid, which I don't think that that's a good strategy either? No, it's not a good strategy. I think you have to look at it that you will have him for a rental, period. And so you have to explain, let's say that you were engaged in talks with the Orioles. Your explanation to them is we're not going to, we're not going to be able to compete with the bigger spending teams, the bigger market teams for him. So we're looking at it as a rental. So this is what we're offering. And, uh, <laughs> and then let some of the, the other ones – um, think about that and decide whether they're in the same boat or not. Are they looking at it as a rental or are they willing to cough up some big time dollars to keep them? I'm not sure how many teams will throw everything they have at Machado and free agency, knowing that there are some absolute monsters out there that would be willing to go above and beyond to take him. So that, you know, they'll, they'll, I, I do believe they'll play it right. I'm sure they're going to get phone calls if they haven't already. And, um, you know, we'll just see where it goes. And by the way, Machado is not the only guy that you could add as an offensive piece, but he is the one that can put you over the top. I mean, it's just, it's, if Marcelo Zuna were to start hitting, and maybe this would actually be great for Marcelo. Absolutely. Zuna, is to have somebody, you know, another threat. The guy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, bring in, bring in the Giancarlo Stanton that he had last year. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to talk about. I think. You know, any time that I've hinted at it on social media or on the air, of course, and I totally understand this, that Cardinals fans who look the other direction on this are like, no chance, absolutely not, don't even start. The Cardinals always get involved, and we hear these names, and then they don't make anything happen. But I, I think that the Cardinals are going to be good for a long time, and um, but I think that any time you have a team that you think is capable of winning it all, if you were to add one more piece, I think you've got to consider adding Manny Machado. If 
if the deal is right. The Cardinals are are the other thing is that the that they did not um, even though they traded Alcantara and Sierra for Ozuna, they didn't make a move this past offseason that hurt their farm system really. With all respect to those guys. Sure. I like Alcantara and Sierra, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. they didn't they didn't they didn't decimate they didn't it. give away one of their elites. So that is still in play, although Alex Reyes is out. He's untouchable. <laughs> <laughs> so like like Steve Savard and Mike Bush and Renny Knott, you've also made a transition over to news. How's that, how has that been for you, and what's the thing that you didn't know about St. Louis before that you know now that you're, in the, that you're the host of Total Information AM? Yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I, I've, I grew up here, so I... But, you know, I grew up in West County. I mean, I grew up in Creek Corps, not far from 4270, right there on Ballas Road. And so you know, I grew up in a, a nice neighborhood. I was able to ride my bike around town. I, I you know, I absolutely love where I lived. In fact, my mom still lives in the area. And I just, I love St. Louis so much. But what it, it has opened my eyes to are a couple of things. One, our crime problem, which I report on every day now as an anchor, and I talk about extensively. And secondly, that the politics, especially in the city, I find, but also in the county, but mostly in the city, um, are, I think, you know, politicians dragging their feet a lot and people getting in their own way a lot. And I feel like we get passed over quite often by some cities that are really on the move, mostly cities who are working with a consolidated government. So they have all that regional money yep. that they're able to, to use. And it, it's opened my eyes to the financial issues that we have in the city, that the city just has no money and really doesn't have anything on the horizon that will tell you that that money's coming in. You can't just tax people forever and ever. So the, I, I guess those things is sort of the, the issues that we have in the city. We, we have to make our schools better. We have to make number one public safety better. And, um, and that is a major concern, especially for uh, anybody who cares about downtown in the city like I do. I work there. I've, I've worked there for 20 years. I love it. And uh, I want it to be great. And it's where we welcome thousands of people in every weekend who are here on vacation starting next weekend. Memorial Day weekend is the beginning of summer. We're welcoming in thousands of people every single weekend to St. Louis and saying, this is the city within 200, 300 miles of your town. Come and visit us. We can't let it be dangerous. We can't. And, and I'm not talking about gunfire um, more so than, you know, break in, car break-ins. Car break-ins, like, absolutely. Be, the petty crimes. You know, it's ridiculous. Like, it has to be safe. So I, I guess that's the one thing. That, so that's the negative. The positive is that I've also realized in doing it how much I really like doing news how much i like talking about things beyond sports i do like showing our listeners that i enjoy things beyond sports and um and i like hearing about you know i've learned being involved in news and events and entertainment that i learn about things festivals and things that are going on on the weekend you know you get so zeroed in on what jordan hicks uh, era is and what <laughs> greg holland's what greg holland's walk yeah is. That sometimes you forget how many cool things are happening beyond the ball game. So that that's been great. Also, it also gives you a chance to show off that you're not like like not a like quote unquote dumb jock. 
that you don't just yeah, care. I mean, right, that's what, I think know, that's what like, a lot of it know, is, too. Hey, I, I, realize, <laughs> I realize I know a little bit more about politics and current events than I gave myself credit <laughs> for. Hopefully our listeners have picked up on that as well. But you also, you become a, a traffic reporter. You become a, a weatherman. When the weather person isn't doing the reports, you have to... You have to do it. There are a lot of times that a thunderstorm is approaching. We have to know the terminology and how to explain what county it's heading to and what to do in that situation. So yeah, it's it's a little bit, it's a little bit, um, not so much new anymore. It's just uh, it's been different and eye opening and and overall I've really enjoyed it. And now I do see why Rennie, Mike, and Steve have gone in that direction. Um, while I'm still doing sports and the three of them really aren't, um, I, I have found that. I feel so much more engaged with the KMOX brand now than just being in sports. Yeah. I feel like now awesome. they can they can lean on me for other things. Like if I had to go interview um, Mike Matheny, of course I can do that. But if they said, Tom, we need you to go over to City Hall and interview Mayor Krusen and ask her about this, this, and this, you I'd be do fine it. doing that. Yeah. Like I'm up on it. So that's good. Tom, final question for you. There are some heavy rumors going around town about the PGA Championship and the Greens at Bell Reeve. Have you heard anything about the PGA Championship moving to Valhalla? No, I have not heard that. Um, I actually just drove past Bell Reeve today. Um, I was out at a graduation party in uh, Chesterfield, and we took the long way home and drove and actually pulled into Bell Reeve just to show my wife and kids what was going on there. And I've been... Uh, very much in touch with the PGA officials there, and and no, I haven't heard that rumor. Well, of course, good. we've all we've all heard that the Greens have um, have had some issues over the years, but I know that they're working extremely hard to resolve those things, and and uh, and Bell Reeves going to be ready to roll. Tom Ackerman, sports director at KMOX and host of Total Information AM on the Mighty Mox KMOX eleven twenty. We appreciate your time, sir, and we look forward to hey. having you on again soon. It's been great being on with you. I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks Tom. Yeah, thanks for spending so much time with us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Tommy. Have yeah, a great no night. Problem. That is the second source for to confirm to me today that it is not moving. See, I, I, this is the first time I'm ever hearing any of it. Oh yeah, um, this is the first time I'm hearing any of it. Yeah, there were uh, there have been rumors going around with people who are in the know that say that the PGA Championship will not be held at Bell Reeve this year. There are major issues with the greens. What, like, what are the issues? What, what, what are the so issues? So last with the greens? year, last year they rebuilt all the greens. All eighteen greens at Bell Reeve were ripped down to the sand and built back up. Okay. And so they redid. I think it was. I think it was all eighteen of them. Maybe it was all nineteen of them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and evidently they're not. They're they're playable, but they're not major championship caliber greens. And so there's an issue there. Is it the grass? Is it the it's way the, the land is? Or what is it? All, it's all of it? It's all of it. It's all the of way it. the grass is growing in. It's the way that the ball rolls. It's just nothing's rolling true is what they're saying. I got you. And so I've been hearing for the past couple of weeks from people who are, quote, unquote, in the know. Or talk to you know, these people aren't in the know. Somebody, they talked to somebody in the know saying that the PJ is going to move to Valhalla. Interesting. It's always the backup course. Yeah. Because the PGA owns it. It's centrally located down in Louisville. And that, that'd be, a, that'd be a, a major disaster for St. Louis. It would be awful. It would be the absolute one of the worst things that could happen to this city, aside from 
riots and things and other things that have happened in the city, but sports wise, sports wise, but I mean like just economically, it's huge. It's going to bring it's going to bring huge amounts of money. So I was talking to a sign guy the other day, and he was all excited about the PGA coming in because like oh he was like oh that's great they're going to buy a ton of billboards. Well, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday sold out in. I think forty-eight to seventy-two yeah, I hours. I heard Dan McLaughlin say on the on the broadcast, like you know, they're they're advertising it, and it was like you know, like the, the first couple of like Thursday, I think you can still buy tickets still for, buy tic- and also practice round tickets you can yes. still buy. But Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, good luck. It's all sold out, and and that's great. People should be able to see see a major championship in in person. It is something to see. The production, it, it's crazy. It's a one time deal though. I prefer to watch them in, on television. It's a it's a made for TV sport. Oh yeah. I mean, like, but here's. But a, I will here, go over there on a okay, practice see, round like, so I can like go show the Here's a funny thing, mark. but here's the funny thing though. Like for sports right now, almost any sport, outside of maybe hockey, because hockey's so much fun to watch live. Almost any sport now is made for TV, but football especially too. So football especially, but let's say you have tickets to the Super Bowl and you are row XX or whatever it is. You're all the way to the top and all the way to the back. And I mean, like you can't get any further away from the field than what you possibly are. But you're there. You're still there. And you're like, you know, hey, what'd you do for the Super Bowl, Andy? You know, oh, well, you know, I was there. Oh, man, you were there? No one cares that you sat in the very no. back. They're just impressed that you were there. Yeah. Same deal. Um, I said, I will spend some time over at uh, Bell Reeve come August. I'm hoping to get credentialed. I I need. Yeah, I probably, that'd, be, that'd be amazing. I should probably do that this week. I would start working on that. Yes, right yeah, away. I probably need to say, hey, I want to come over there and and, cu- and do some interviews and cover stuff. Uh, a couple things I want to talk about quickly. Sure. Uh, NBA playoffs right now. Um, the Rockets and the and the Golden State Warriors are playing right now. Game three right now. The series is tied one apiece. In the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics are up on the Cleveland Cavaliers two to one, and Cleveland does not look very good at all. I mean that that team was LeBron and a bunch of scrubs. But if there is a like, there's a lot of talk right now about what kind of interest will be in the NBA Finals if LeBron is not there. Do people want to see a LeBron less yes. NBA Finals? And, it's a hell of a product. Well, you know, you, but you want to see LeBron. You do. You want to see LeBron. But if there's any team that has, I mean, like all due respect to Jason Tatum. And, uh, and the rest of the Celtics that are playing right now, there, there's not one big star on that team that you can really market to that people have heard of. But the Boston Celtics are a national brand, so they're probably the only team that could get to the NBA Finals without any major names and still draw interest. The problem is is that whoever they're facing, whether it's the Golden State Warriors or the Houston Rockets in Game 1, if they lose by 30 points, no one's watching Game 2, 3, or 4. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly, but I also I also think that come NBA, come conference finals and NBA finals time, people will watch. Even I watch, and I know, and I literally watch zero NBA. I don't read anything about it throughout yeah. the season. Nothing. I mean, I know Jason Tatum plays for Boston. That's about it. I know LeBron <laughs> plays for Cleveland. I know Steph Curry plays for for Golden State. I mean, those. That's really the extent of my basketball knowledge. I will be glued to the finals. I love, I love the product that is out there, and it's the same, same. And I'm, I'm a, and it's. I think it's because there's not an NBA team here, because I will, I do watch whole hockey games throughout the season. Yeah, but even this time of year, when you see, you get to Western Conference Finals and, and Stanley Cup Finals, 
it's just a different brand of hockey. Absolutely. And it's a different brand of basketball. And it's, it's intriguing the, to watch. Like, so much and, more, it's, and it's a great product. Yeah, the, the, dramatic, the, the, the stakes, the drama, everything that's involved Absolutely. with it. Yeah, it makes it so much better. Um, it's funny that you, you, you bring up Steph Curry because I remember a couple years ago, I got into an argument with, I mean, this guy, he, he's a St. Louis sports fan. He's not a sports fan. He's a St. Louis sports fan. There's a big difference. Okay. And BFEB. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's borderline beef. All right. I but I mean, that. like the argument that we are having is if this like, you know, if Steph Curry or David Eckstein were to walk into the bar that we were at, who would get the most attention here in St. Louis here in St. Louis? David Eckstein. No, you're you're both wrong. Oh, you think Steph Curry? Would? Absolutely. Steph no Curry would. Okay, number one, no one's. I don't think anybody's really going to even recognize David Eckstein because that was 12 years ago, whenever that World Series happened. So you have to think about that. So I don't think anybody's, number one, even going to recognize him. Steph Curry is on, on, on TV all the time. He's in a ton of commercials. And who expects to see Steph Curry walk into a bar in St. Louis? So if Steph, Steph Curry, Curry walks into a bar in St. Louis. It's like a really bad joke. <laughs> if, if Steph Curry walks into a bar, he's getting mobbed. Mobbed. Well, I don't know. Oh, come on. Depends on which bar. Is he walking into the Blarney Stone off Telegraph or is he walking into uh, uh, patios? He's walking. Look, let's say he's walking. He walks into patios. He's getting mobbed. He's getting mobbed. He's getting mobbed no matter where he goes. Yeah, he's getting mobbed. Yeah. Sports fans know who he is. Of course. They really know who he is. You're talking about Steph Curry. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, like even my mom knows who Steph Curry is. My mom doesn't care about the NBA whatsoever. <laughs> uh, the other thing I want to talk about. Equate me to your mom. <laughs> the other thing. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is Bartolo Colon. I cannot tell you how much I love this guy. I love him too. I love Bartolo Colon. Did he you? He looks see? like us. He looks like us. He's forty. He's in his mid forties. Yeah, he's and ancient. He's, and he's still playing. He's still playing. He took a line drive off the gut. <laughs> A line drive hit him right Ow. in the stomach, Ow. and he feel he just like just bent down, picked up the ball, and threw the guy out of first base like there was n- no big deal. I'm like Bartolo Colon is a thing of beauty, and we need to appreciate him for as long as we have him. Absolutely, we should L- absolutely love Bartolo Colon. Um, that brings episode number eleven to a close. Want to thank Tom Ackerman from uh, from KMOX for joining us. Uh, great conversation. You're right. He might be the nicest guy in uh, in St. Louis radio. He is the nicest guy in St. Louis radio. That's what I've heard. And he complimented us. So that that's, that's he did. He complimented us big time. I'm going to put so that. Did, so did Ben Hockman last week. Ben Hockman did he too. Tweeted that. Tweeted that we were awesome. Yeah. I mean, hello. Did he, did he write he, about us yet? He hasn't wrote about us yet. <gasps> I'm waiting for Dan Caesar to write about us. <laughs> See you next time, everybody. <laughs>